Testing, testing. It's on. One, two, one, two. Microphone checker. Microphone wrecker. Microphone picker picker. <laughs> Alright, let's give this a shot. What is life? What does it mean to heal? I'm a human. Hello, hello? Anybody there? Why are we here? What does this mean? Let's figure it out together. That's fun. Just to come play. Play in the podverse. What are we doing? This is the Turning of the Bones podcast. Hello. Welcome to another episode of the Turning of the Bones podcast. I am your host, Colby Marie. It's nice to be here. You sweet Sarahs, you velvety Valerie's, you tender Toms, how are y'all doing out there? I uh, hope this day finds you well. I am going to go ahead and jump right into today's podcast, and I wanted, I haven't done this before, but I'd like to give a bit of a disclaimer here at the beginning. Uh, this podcast is going to touch on grief and loss and vulnerability. So many of the things that have uh, been up collectively uh, because of the pandemic. So many things that have been up personally for so many of us. So if you don't feel like you have the bandwidth for that today, maybe go ahead and pause this, uh, revisit it, come back to it later, and if you feel ready to jump in, just know that you're, you're supported. I hope you have a good team of support, you know, this, this might bring things up for you. It's, it's what's on my heart today, and I feel like I would be remiss, (laughs) I mean, actually, I feel like there's nothing else that I can talk about today. It's the day after that full moon in Aries, that huge blood moon, and it was a wild one. I took my dog and my neighbor's dog to the park the morning of the full moon, and I just knew there was just this powerful frenetic energy. Each day when I go to the park with my dog, or my dog and the neighbor's dog kind of get a feel for the day based off how the dogs are doing you know how they're interacting they're just you know the unfiltered raw expression of awareness and consciousness and beingness that dogs kind of bring to our lives or pets or animals and so I walked up to the park that day and the dogs were going ape shit. I mean, they were, they've kind of been a little bit more docile the last couple of weeks, I think with the season change, but on the morning of the full moon, they were just going wild. And I kind of had this hunch that something, there was a big energy, there was a big, something big gonna come for me personally. And uh, maybe you felt this, maybe you didn't. Uh, Maybe 
Maybe that's just a little too out there for you, but just stick with me if uh, if it was. So the dogs were going nuts, and I could kind of feel this frenetic energy in the wind. And so that moon, yeah, that, <laughs> that full moon was something else, let me tell you what. And so today, I'm actually feeling quite tender. And I'm going to share about something very vulnerably and I won't get into too many specifics but the topic is going to be vulnerability grief and loss and kind of our shared humanity inside of those experiences because right now I'm going through a lot of grief I am grieving a relationship that just ended with someone who is incredibly important to me and to my mind and my heart and my gut right now feels like the most important person who's ever existed and in a lot of ways has been uh, a beautiful relationship whose time came to an end and that's kind of where that's that's the the context for the content of this podcast. I've been reflecting a lot about grief and loss and this week when I was getting ready to do the podcast as always I I thought it was going to be one thing and now it's a different thing but I stumbled across this really beautiful piece of writing by the poet and writer David White you can find David White on Facebook. That's where I got this this little piece that I'm going to read to you and kind of reflect about. And David has books of poetry that are all just, I mean, it's some of the most profound and reflective. I would say it's uh, spiritual lyricism, uh, human musings. And the way that he does it is really soothing. And so I stumbled across this piece. You can find it on his Facebook page. It's David White, D-A-V-I-D-W-H-Y-T-E. And it's from In Consolations, The Solace, Nourishment, and Underlying Meaning of Everyday Words. Revised edition, 2021. David White and Many Rivers Press. You can find his website davidwhite.com to purchase his books but I don't feel like I'm stealing because this was on Facebook so I don't I don't know this podcast isn't big enough to get flagged by copyright infringement but I feel like if it's on Facebook it's kind of public domain and uh, I feel like artists share things there for us to play with and to work with and so without further ado vulnerability by David White. Vulnerability is not a weakness, a passing indisposition, or something we can arrange to do without. Vulnerability is not a choice. Vulnerability is the underlying, ever-present, and abiding undercurrent of our natural state. To run from vulnerability is to run from the essence of our nature. The attempt To be invulnerable is the vain attempt to become something we are not, and most especially, to 
to close off our understanding of the grief of others. More seriously, in refusing our vulnerability, we refuse to ask for the help needed at every turn of our existence and to mobilize the essential, title, and conversational foundations of our identity. To have a temporary, isolated sense of power over all events and circumstances is a lovely, illusory privilege and perhaps the prime, beautifully constructed conceit of being human, and most especially of being youthfully human. But it is a privilege that must be surrendered with that same youth, with ill health, with accident, with the loss of loved ones who do not share our untouchable powers powers eventually and most emphatically given up as we approach our last breath. The only choice we have as we mature is how we inhabit our vulnerability, how we become larger and more courageous and more compassionate through our intimacy with disappearance. Our choice is to inhabit vulnerability as generous citizens of loss, robustly and fully, or conversely, as misers, and complainers, reluctant and fearful, always at the gates of existence, but never bravely and completely attempting to enter, never wanting to risk ourselves, never walking fully through the door. This vulnerability from In Consolations, The Solace and Nourishment. <laughs> I got a little, little, little horn honk there. The universe seems to be supporting this moment <laughs> with a little toot. It's tooting its own horn. It's <laughs> it's amazing. I can't plan this stuff. I could. I wouldn't have put that in there if I was sound editing this. But it was perfect. So it appears our happy honker has passed. And that we kind of just take a minute and let that, <laughs> I don't know about you, but that, that, that writing by David White kind of touched me on every level. I remember learning from one of my first teachers that something that can happen when people are grieving is that when we share our grief, sometimes it reminds others of theirs and you can kind of gauge someone's ability to be with their own grief by their response to your grief. Um, I think in this country quite frequently, you know, people will fall back on a story to handle grief, uh, you know, kind of concise sayings like this too shall pass which is like you know also a beautiful spiritual teaching but can be used to kind of like emotionally bypass being with people whose grief is is big in the moment and so I one thing that I really liked about this passage is that as we age the only real choice we have as humans is how we engage with our vulnerability. You can invite it in and pass, walk fully through the door, or you can 
as, as David put it, um, become reluctant and fearful. And I, I want to be really clear, no judgment. You know, we all have our own history. We have, you know, our own parental and familial influences on how we are able to handle grief and the ways in which um, we're situated and capable of handling complex emotions. You know, not everybody has the support to be with really intense things. And so a lot of, I don't want to uh, demonize anybody's survival mechanisms here um, or kind of make this as like a, a right or a wrong kind of interpretation of this. But I do think that um, what David is pointing at is kind of this choice to step into our shared humanity. Um, there's at the beginning, so he, he says that, you know, vulnerability is not a weakness, a passing indisposition or something we can arrange to do without. And I thought about that for a little bit, and I think that it's a really powerful first sentence. And for me, it kind of points to the truth that, you know, sent the Buddha searching and kind of the only guarantees in life are death and suffering. Um, you're going to get sick or injured and you're going to die. You're going to lose people. And this, this deeply connects all of us in a shared experience of our relationship with grief and loss. Um, as someone who has tried to arrange to do without vulnerability, you know, my experience in my 20s using drugs and alcohol, I tried really hard to find <laughs> distractions and they could be anything, you know, it could be television, sex, drugs, alcohol, relationships, overworking, social media, you know, like there's an endless supply of things created in our society that help us try to arrange our lives so that we can do without grief or vulnerability. Um, but none of them, you know, you always have to change the band-aid on that, you know, the the wound of vulnerability is kind of ever present and David said that the the vul vulnerability is the underlying ever present and abiding undercurrent of our natural state. Um I thought like there's so much in that sentence and kind of what I got from it is that we're just fragile biological organisms. Um our skin is sensitive to temperature fluctuations. We require regular food and oxygen, sleep and warmth, kind of those basic needs. Um, if you're familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs, those things that, you know, there's so many arguments about in politics, like everybody should have the right to these basic things that, you know, your birth kind of should guarantee um, and and also it, it made me think of 
You know, I, I love nature shows. I love learning about animals and plants in the natural world. And I, I, have, I can't count how many times I've just been blown away by the realization that like so many animals and other mammals too have to be ready to live independently very quickly. Um, and human beings are unable, you know, a baby is utterly helpless without the support and care and nurturing of older human mammals. And we're, we're unable to become independent adults um, in just a biological sense, you know, in, in the sense that we could put on clothes or find our own food. Um, and we're unable to, you know, being separated, you know, that's a, I'm using that term loosely, but emotionally, you know, like, and that's, uh, you know, that's, that's tenuous too. We're not separated. We, it takes us a long time to develop uh, mentally and it takes love and support and warmth and kindness and connection and tenderness to help us. So I, I think that you know, going back to that, it's our natural state. We're born vulnerable and we stay vulnerable our whole lives, but we do a lot of things to mask that. Um, whether it's, you know, the stuff I mentioned before, or whether it's living in stories about, you know, you know going through this breakup, it, it would be really simple for me to you know, kind of follow the the pre prevalent social scripts in this country about about a breakup or a loss or the end of a marriage or a relationship, and and make a a villain and a hero. You know, that's a a deeply ingrained way to view the world. Like, oh, you know, I was treated so poorly and. You know, I can just live in the story that this person is like not okay, and that's that's not the truth. You know, everybody's trying their best at all times. I don't believe that. Um, and it would be easy to kind of avoid getting in touch with my vulnerability by following. You know, oh, you know, like. By not actually letting it letting it rock me, <laughs> you know. Um, I'm gonna take a little pause here because my heart got a little flooded with uh, a lot of feelings when I started talking about that. I have a little sip of my tea, regroup my thinking here. Um, We have a lot of ways that we mask this truth. And not that any of those are wrong. I think that they're all, you know, they serve a purpose. There's a really great book that you all should get. It's okay not to be okay. And it's kind of about our culture's inability to show up for people who are grieving. Um, it's written by somebody who lost some loved ones and kind of her reflections about that process and how different people responded 
And it's really fascinating to think about all the ways in which we kind of avoid this truth um, that we are vulnerable and that we need other people. Um, and David goes on to say, the attempt to be invulnerable is the vain attempt to become something we are not. And I like that he uses the word vain because it takes a lot of hubris and a lot of, a lot of work to build a world that denies the fact that, you know, I, I leave my house every day. Like I'm dependent upon my clothes to keep me warm. I need so many things to not, like if I was just naked here without any technology, it would be really hard to survive. And, you know, I've, I've avoided being vulnerable like so many of us for most of my life. It, you know, to, to attempt to be invulnerable is to assume power over things with which we're like ultimately powerless. Um, it seems to me like avoiding vulnerability is like kind of the driving motivator of most of how we're taught to live. And, you know, we are fragile biological constructs with consciousness and thought. And we use a lot of that, that brain power <laughs> to come up with frameworks that kind of push us away from that fact. And I love that he ends that kind of intro with, it closes us off to the understanding of the grief of others. Um, like walking away from my vulnerability and not feeling the rawness of my heart throughout this process of loss. Um, you know, and I, I acknowledge this, I'll be clear, this isn't a death, this is a, a transition. There was no falling out to my heart and my head and the trauma that I carry that so many of us carry it feels it, it, it feels like a death you know if you've lost someone you, you have moments laying on the floor just gripped with like existential dread about life and you know it's not all jealousy like oh my god what if they're with somebody else like that's a truth like I have multiple exes that I have grieved in the past who are now living happy lives who are today with somebody else who today have children and you know like that I, even though I have had that experience this one this this current one is just as big or bigger because the capa my capacity as I've grown and healed to love and connect has gotten deeper. So I, I let this person in deeper. I let, I, I, I experienced them more deeply. There was more trust. There was more vulnerability. There was more connection. And if I close myself off to this experience, you know, I'm closing myself off to the grief of others. Um, you know, when somebody else comes to me, you know, I had a friend call me today who is going through a breakup and uh you know we've been supporting each other connecting vulnerably and they were in a round of grief and 
I noticed, you know, there were pieces, I noticed as I was responding, there were pieces of things I didn't want to be vulnerable, vulnerable about that, uh, you know, I wasn't quite ready to hear their pain because I hadn't processed my grief. You know, it was like, we were like kind of having one of those conversations with somebody else who's feeling like shit and you're both just kind of, and I feel like shit about this and I feel like shit about this, which is like a totally beautiful way to process things with your friends. Like it's, you don't always have to be like one person is like open and spacious and holding all the room for the other person. And the other one's just like letting it flow or like giving advice. It's like, sometimes you can just be in it together. And that was really beautiful. But like, if I close myself off to the grief of somebody else, then I, I lose a piece. I feel like I would lose a piece of my humanity. And that's like the last thing that I want. You know, I don't want to kind of <clears throat> live in this rigid place that bottles up my, my pain or my suffering or my grief. I, I had a conversation with a friend the other day about the silent generation and you know how my parents generation was kind of taught to just like push it down and which totally makes sense you know like their parents were in world war one or world war two or experienced racial violence depending upon your family or like any number of things but people you know there wasn't the space for emotions that there are today and you know so many times i i want to connect with those people about the pain they experienced and it's just like kind of closed off it seems like they can't express it which is is really heartbreaking um but if you i mean you see you see the problem with closing yourself off to the grief of others and like so many things politics you know, the race stuff going on in america voter rights abortion uh lgbtqia movement like if, if you can't get in touch with your own grief, then you don't understand other people's suffering and then you try to control them. And it's like, I don't want to go on too far of a tangent, but like, I love this point. Um, and it leads David to go on to say, like, if you, if you refuse vulnerability, you refuse to ask for the help needed at every turn of our existence. And I love that. Like we're, especially after the pandemic, I think we're all a little bit more in touch with this. Like I need so much support to live, you know, like I took so much for granted before the pandemic, you know, how many hugs I was getting, how much community or even like casual acquaintance conversations I would have like at the coffee shop and, you know, the support of a job and money and stable housing and like, we need help at every turn to stay alive. Like every day of our life, if you're honest with yourself, I, I mean, I, I'm fucking 45 and I need help every day. Whether it's just like hearing my mom's voice, uh, talking to my sister, you know, not, and not like, hey, come over and help me pick up something heavy. I'm talking about just like the help we give each other by being there. Um, you know, the, I had to really, you know, so conditioned in this country to just like do it on our own, 
that like it took me 20 minutes to text a close friend today to ask them to like do something nice for me because you know I've been grieving today and I can't focus and working has been hard and I've cried four times today and it's really hard to make myself food and sending them a text I was so afraid to be vulnerable and say like I really like I don't have it in me to make myself a cup of tea could you make me a cup of tea you know to kind of just have that moment of humbling myself and my ego and my desire to control and you know saying that like hey I could use some help you know and, you know, one of the gifts of loss is that it puts us in touch with our vulnerability. It's kind of, you know, even my friends, you know, or people I know who have like a, a fairly good understanding of these things or who have done therapy, it's like, I talk to somebody in the middle of a grief spiral and they're like, this sucks, it's horrible. I have one friend who likes it, but they're probably the only person I've met in this life that that enjoys that kind of stuff um, but loss you know like shoves it in your face I've been put in touch with you know I've had the gift through this uh, breakup this separation or restructuring of our relationship whatever you want to call it or however it unfolds I don't I don't know and it's it's too overwhelming to think about but I've been given the gift of not only grieving the beauty and the love that was present for me with this human, the healing and the grace of meeting them and laughing with them and holding them and, you know, supporting them or whatever, you know, it's not just grieving that. It's like it, it touches on all these other pieces of grief that are adjacent that are experiences from my past that I haven't fully been with. Um, I was crying the other night, and I mean just like scream crying. Yeah, I, I, I scream cried until I lost my voice. I'm glad that it's back. I'm having a little tea with honey today. I kind of ate it, but, but Sunday night I, I lost my voice for about two days because I just, I got so overwhelmed with uh so I choked on a toothpick I got a toothpick lodged sideways in my throat it was horrific and I, I was able to get it out on my own but it just brought up this fear and the only thing I could feel in the face of that was like oh my god I don't want to like die without telling this person how much they mean to me and what they've meant and like I mean write essays and songs and ballads about this and I was just sitting there in this like just deep existential panic and as I was scream crying, it was like touching on every little piece. You know, it was like, it, it was amazing. It was like a, an energetic mental Rolodex of, of things that I hadn't, you know, things from childhood, moments of terror that we all experience in our house, you know, like you're scared and your parents don't come or, um, I had forgotten about this. I had, when I was a kid, I choked on a, a Monopoly house or a Monopoly hotel. I was chewing on it for some reason. And I was in the kitchen alone and I choked and like, I, 
after the toothpick, I totally remembered that and remembered that nobody was there and like nobody was there to hold me afterwards. Um, and so grief has this really interesting way of bringing up our vulnerability and you have a choice in those moments to like invite it in and kind of hold it. You know, it's kind of, if you've heard of inner child work, you can like bring your inner child back to you or you can kind of push it away. And I've been working for a long time to keep healing those pieces. And so the gift of, <sighs> you know, gift is still a hard word to say because I'm still in it. Um, but the gift of that is getting to go, you know, integrate and recollect those pieces of me and heal some of that stuff, some of those moments. And I do agree that, you know, I don't, I wouldn't say it's the only choice we have as we mature, but it's, it's one of the big ones is how we inhabit our vulnerability. And for me, it's, part of this podcast is leaving an audio template of vulnerability of stories and shares and a, an example of someone who's trying to be vulnerable and to leave a record of an experience so that maybe if you're listening to this you don't feel so alone uh, you know because it's 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 important to have people around when we grieve, you know, in this country, America, we, we have been taught to do our grieving privately and other cultures aren't like that. You know, places grieve publicly places have entire structures and rituals set up for grieving and vulnerability and the terror and panic that comes up when we experience a loss and Sometimes it doesn't feel very courageous. You know, I think David says that this is courageous. I have friends sometimes tell me that it's really courageous when I, I do vulnerable things or share things. And I think one of the most beautiful things that I experienced in this relationship that I'm grieving is that this partner and I felt safe enough to thoroughly show one another the soft underbelly of our hearts and to be totally honest I, I don't always want to grief that <sighs> you know that's that's a, a tough nut to swallow um You know, the feeling, whether it's real or not, of losing somebody who you've done that with uh, can be pretty overwhelming. And I hope that in this podcast and in this episode that, you know, if you listen to this, that you know that you're not alone and you know that 
losing people is a part of this and that it actually can connect us with one another so that we don't have to feel so alone um, because that's something I think we all share we're all just walking around in our heads and our hearts you know bumbling around like a bunch of confused confused you know bipedal I'm just I'm gonna say monkeys <laughs> like we're just wandering around pretty scared that we're gonna die or be alone and like you know being vulnerable about that I think can really help with that experience I I went for a drive with a, a friend to help them move some things and I don't know this person super well and we had a pretty vulnerable conversation about our experiences as children and I tell you what you know I was really sad yesterday but those two hours felt pretty okay and so I hope that if, if if you're feeling tender you can find some people to be around you have people to support you and uh yeah maybe hearing these tears like you can give yourself the permission to feel them too because I know it's tough in this country to get in touch with that um <sighs> So, that was my podcast on vulnerability, um, inspired by the, the writings of David White. Um, yeah, thank you all for listening. This is a uh, listener-supported, crowd-funded podcast, so if, if you got something from this, uh, please share it with a friend, share it on Facebook or Instagram, leave a review on iTunes, follow me on Spotify or iTunes, and if you buy me some, you know, this is a good part of my the work that I do every week, so if you'd, if you'd honk your horn for a hell yeah, it's uh, what I get for doing this late in the day. It's all these these beautiful street sounds. If if you'd help out, uh, you can visit my Patreon www.patreon.com forward slash Turning of the Bones, and you can leave a monthly donation that really helps me, helps listeners who can't afford it keep getting this podcast, and we can keep building and growing this thing together. I'm so grateful for all of my listeners. I know this was a a bit of a this was just a topic on destigmatized this being like deep or heavy this is this it's profound to be born and this is a part of being a profound existing human is grief and loss and talking about our vulnerability so i hope this finds you well i hope that you know you can tell the people you love the things you need to. I know this this year and a half, these two years have been hard on us all. There's been so much loss, so much fear and confusion. And I think you're all doing fucking great. So keep it up. Be well. <laughs>